The Red Sox offense explodes against the Phillies, and they stay red hot so far in the spring. You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to welcome you back into the Locked On Red Sox podcast. And thank you so much for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. I'm your host, Jakey Nazuski, and here with a very special guest, Jamie Gatlin. You may know him from over on Red Sox Twitter and some of his great work and articles that he does over on Beyond the Monster. But we're down here in Fort Myers. As you can see, if you're watching the video version for my shirt, we just came from the Red Sox game at JetBlue Park as their offense exploded against the Phillies to win 15 to three, but it was my first time going to JetBlue Park. I don't know about you, Jamie, but it was, it was a lot nicer than I honestly anticipated. I've only seen pictures, but the whole atmosphere of it really sort of made me feel like I was back at Fenway. Yeah. I mean, that was my first time there in probably two years. Um, so it was nice to get back, but it was great. There's a lot of people out and the crowd was into it. So it was good to see. And they had like, you know, the, the little green monster like photo op that you could do. They had all of these really cool uh, like food stations all over the place. I, I honestly didn't really expect that. Now, the one thing, you know, I, I was about to say pro tip, but, you know, I, I'm still a rookie, I guess, since I've only gotten one time. But uh, from what I learned after my first time, go undercover, get get some shade. You know, we, we uh, got tickets uh, at the green monster. I thought in my mind, like, this is going to be sick. This is going to be awesome. But holy crap, was the sun beating down. Got a little bit red in the cheeks. Came from New, New Hampshire uh, yet last night. So uh, definitely go under some shade. Third base side, we, we ended up moving there later on in the game. That was much, much nicer. But definitely get some shade and put on some sunscreen at guest services uh, if you end up going to JetBlue Park later on. Yeah, the Florida sun takes no prisoners. That <laughs> no shade, prisoners. That shade was life-changing. Seriously, it was life-changing. But it was nice to sort of be able to really feel like baseball was back. You know, uh, it, it's it's great to see the different content that the Red Sox have put out so far this spring. Obviously, you watch the games on Nesson each and every single night or, or day. But until you really get to hear the crack of the bat and the sound of the mitt and really be able to – Sweet Caroline as well, being able to hear that in a ballpark again really made me feel like baseball was back. And it was really nice to see as well the Red Sox offense really flourishing as they've done so far uh, in the spring training. Yeah, I mean, they were crushing the ball, especially. I mean, Arroyo went off. Um, it was just hit, hit after hit. And they put up good at-bats too. They kept using the opposite field. They worked, you know, they worked the Phillies pitchers. Um, it was good to see that approach from the offense. And, you know, as you mentioned, Arroyo went two for three, two home runs. One of them was a grand slam, five RBIs. And especially going into this season, a lot of expectations on him to fill in at that second base position. Sort of, you know, Trevor Story was most likely going to be the shortstop. And then there was obviously questions all throughout the offseason on who was going to play that second base position. And, you know, a little bit of doubt that Arroyo would have at least from fans in the media that Arroyo is going to be able to do that full time, but at least offensively, it seems like early on in spring training, he's showing, he's showing some good signs, but all that really matters is what you're able to do in the regular season. Yeah. I mean, I think he's shown during a Sox tenure, he can be a spark plug. He can be, you know, that guy at second. It's just a matter of being healthy. Um, that's been his whole thing. Career he always has a nagging injury. It seems like that 
you know, missed his time. I think last year he played in his most games in a single season was like in the eighties. Right. So with him, it's just about staying on the field. Um, so he can contribute. And I think as well, you know, early on being able to have him and Kike sort of get their rhythm down with the double plays. And we saw a little bit of that today. Wasn't as smooth and as quick as maybe you would like, but that's something that you're going to see early on in spring training, just getting out some of those kinks and being able to get as smooth and quick as possible for opening day. Yeah, I mean, how they perform is going to be key, Um, especially with Story being out and having to shift Kike from the outfield to the infield. He's going to have to produce offensively and with the glove. Um, the same with the world because depth wise at second, you know, there's not a lot there if he goes down. Right. Um, you know, you have guys like Fitz in the minors, but in terms of the major league level, if an injury happens, they're kind of in a tough spot. Exactly. And, you, you know, obviously the Sox have Mondesi coming back from an ACL tear. Questionable if he's even going to be ready for opening day. But one thing, you know, to look out for is a lot of these guys are going to be going to the WBC very, very soon. And uh, it was actually, you know, reported on ESPN in today's broadcast, Arroyo was talking about that there could potentially be a possibility that he joins Puerto Rico uh, as an injury replacement. And, you know, that could take another guy from the Red Sox spring training who, in my opinion, really should be focusing on acclimating to the new rules, acclimating at a and getting as ready as possible to be the full-time second baseman. But after the game, according to Pete Abraham, of course, that that's not going to end up happening. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's good to see him stay in camp. Uh, but it's going to be fun to see with some of these guys getting more opportunities. You know, a guy like Dahlbeck, he's kind of in a tough spot, can get to play more. Um, right. with guys go into WBC and you get a longer shot at the prospects than you would um, if you did, especially guys like Valdez, who's the talk of spring training right. so far. Exactly. And, you know, I, I think as well what, what we've heard a lot from Duran all the positivity coming out from what we've been able to see from him, at least offensively, got to see him make a diving catch, uh, or excuse me, a sliding catch uh, in in left field. And it was a little bit weird. I don't know about you. I remember I mentioned this, but him wearing 16, being in left field, sort of made me feel like I was watching Benny again. Obviously, like nowhere close to the same looks, but just from behind, I'm like, is that Andrew Benintendi? Yeah, I mean, how he plays can be big. I mean, I think the spring training you see he has a, a tighter stance. Yeah. Um, he doesn't really have the leg kick, and he doesn't. His hands are more in hitting position. But he doesn't mm-hmm. have to drop his arms like he did last year. And he's in the opposite field more, which I think is big. You know, he hit over 400 last year when he did do that. Um, so if he can do that and keep making pitchers work, I think you're going to see a different, you know, Duran and a guy more like the prospect that caught everyone by attention two years ago than last year, which probably by, for his standards was a forgettable, you know, stint right. in the majors. And, you know, especially the stuff that, you know, happened off the field. He's been very quiet thus far uh, throughout spring training. Haven't really heard too, too much, at least outside of what we've seen from the mic'd ups that the Red Sox have been putting out, which has been incredible content. Really get to see the personalities of a lot of these players. But with with Duran was able to get on base three times in today's matchup. Two through the walk was able to get on base uh, through a hit as well. But, you know, you mentioned it. That plate approach and his change of stance has really been the talk of the spring training, at least surrounding his name thus far. And, you know, a lot of people are really excited. And, you know, I actually had, you know, somebody reach out to me on Twitter asking if there was a possibility of Duran or Valdez, which person do you think has the better opportunity to make the opening day roster? And in my mind, especially with all four spots pretty much solidified with, you know, Ref Schneider, you know, Verdugo, Yoshida, and Duvall, 
Durant's sort of at a disadvantage. And I feel like with Valdez, with his versatility of not only being able to play infield, but also outfield as well, really plays in his favor. And then you also got to put on the table as well what you mentioned too, the depth at second base is pretty limited with Mondesi not being able to probably be able to start on opening day. Yeah, I mean, that definitely makes it tough for Durant. I think, you know, it's you would want to have Valdez in there just because he can play multiple positions. His power definitely has been... I mean, it's been fun to watch the Juan Soto comparisons, even though that's way too much to play <laughs> on a younger player. You don't want to screw him up mentally by comparing him to a generational talent. I agree. Uh, but it's still fun to make those you know comparisons when you watch their tape side by side. Uh, but that's why this has to be probably Durant's best spring training of his career. You know, he's really at a disadvantage. Um, and with everything that happened last year, having a log jam, log jam in the outfield right. is not where he wants to be. Exactly. And I'm very curious to see sort of how he's able to utilize that opportunity in the WBC to be able to continue to add up those up at bats against established pitching. You know, he might see some different arms that he doesn't usually see on a normal basis, not only major league talent, but also some players from Japan, Korea, you know what I mean? And so it could really be able to help him prepare in multiple different ways than spring training would. And, you know, we also saw another guy, Devers, continuing to hit very well, as he always does, went two for two with two RBIs. But one player that sort of came out of nowhere, you know, we brought up Valdez, one of the players who came over from the Vasquez trade last trade deadline. But Willier Abreu ended up getting on the board with a grand salami two for the Red Sox in today's matchup. And, you know, one thing that I, I heard from you know, some of the fans around JetBlue Park that, wow, you know, the Sox, the Sox are really pounding down the Phillies. Well, you know, if, if you look if you look at the box score, majority of the pitchers that the Sox had to go against were, you know, Phillies, you know, mid, mid to high level sort of minor leaguers. It's not major league talent. And so you can't really read too much into it, but it was nice to see, uh, you know, Abreu be able to get a good swing and, and ultimately score four runs. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's, you know, spring training, so you can't put, a ton of stock into it, especially the first week when guys are just warming up. But it's good to see that from Bray. I mean, his MO in the minors with Houston was that hit for power. Right. Um, and we saw it say him just turn on a ball and crush it. I mean, that's why the Sox got him. Um, so it's just a matter of doing that on a consistent basis. And then he may be able to force their hand with a shot at the big league roster at some point this year. Right. And, you know, it is interesting how semi the narrative has flipped a little bit with the Vasquez trade. Obviously, I... 100% understand sort of the reaction when it first happened, especially with how Vasquez found out, you know, with, with the media in his face and literally had to walk right across the dugout. But it's it's pretty interesting how Abreu and Valdez are, are being talked about a lot and have a lot of excitement around their names, specifically from fans. And I just find it interesting, you know, when you really look at it, you know, in the rear view mirror and obviously, you know, 2020 is, it's, you know, looking back, it, it, it's, you're always able to see more of a positive than in the immediate moment. But, you know, Vasquez only played three months with the Astros and, you know, now he's with the Twins. But now the Sox have some good future prospects who could potentially, as you mentioned, you know, not only contribute this season, but down the line. Yeah, I think the thing with Vasquez, especially the fans, it's always tough when you deal a homegrown talent like him, especially someone who anchored, you know, a championship. Right. But if you get, you know, you get two pieces back in a break like Val and Valdez, if they continue to perform like they have, and you look at how Vasquez only got three months with the Astros. Yes, he won a World Series, and if you're the Astros, you take that deal every single year. Right. Uh, but these are some kids who have, you know, they have some potential. Mm -hmm. And even though Vasquez was kind of a 
core piece of that clubhouse. That's the reality of baseball and the side of the business. So as long as you get two productive pieces, it's something that can be kind of easily forgotten looking back on it. Right. I I completely agree. And, you know, it's going to be very interesting to sort of see how not only the position players continue to uh, prepare for opening day, but also some of the pitchers. And we're going to speak a little bit about Tanner Houck's performance in his first start during spring training uh, on Thursday afternoon. But before we do that, I just want to take a second to talk to you about Built Bar. So if you're looking for a delicious treat and you don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to check out Built Bar. The one thing about Built Bar that's pretty crazy is that it's not only – covered in 100% real chocolate. It literally tastes like a candy bar, but it has 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And especially the flavors, that's one thing that always really intrigues me when I pick up a Built Bar. You know, you could literally close your eyes and get a good one. You know, they have like peanut butter brownie. They got coconut almond. They got churro. I don't know about you. I love churros. I love a good churro. But if you want to go and check out and get your Built Bars today to not only be able to eat something that's healthy for you, is able to fill you up when you're on the go, but also tastes good, then make sure to check out Built.com. And also, we've been talking about for years to go over to Built.com and no more is that the only option for you to get your fix of Built Bars. You can go right to your Sam's Club or your local Walmart to check out Built Bar and get Built Bars either each week daily you know go go over and check that out but now looking at how tanner hauk's outing went on thursday afternoon it it was tough to sort of see that is how it started off he he ended up you know starting off his outing with a four pitch walk to kyle schwarber obviously former red Sox, but then ultimately ended up walking four batters in his outing allowed no hits but at the same time you know really struggled with his control yeah, I think that's the biggest takeaway was his control wasn't where he wanted to be. But at the same time, um, you know, he kept them out. He didn't give them runs, so he limited the damage. Um, and that's what you want to see, you know, in his first string start. He saw some things to work out, but it wasn't deadly. And the Red Sox offense did more than they needed to today. Right. And, you, you know, I, I found it interesting sort of what we saw in the first inning made 15 pitches, but then the second inning, it was, it was a completely different story. I'm also curious to see maybe how the heat got to him. You know, obviously, a lot of these guys are, are able to build up and acclimate to the heat with them being down here. But you know, with, with this being Hauk's first start in the spring, I'm curious to see if maybe that had a factor. But, you know, can't make excuses, especially when, you, when you're trying to get into the major league rotation. But ultimately, I ended up throwing 42 pitches in his second inning, and that's when he ultimately was pulled by Cora. And I ended up leaving with the bases loaded. Yeah. I mean, but I loved how he kind of battled back. Um, the bullpen picked him up. I mean, for the majority of the game, the relievers held their own, um, especially towards the end with Broadway. Um, so that's kind of what you want to see, especially, right. you know, especially this early in spring training. And, you know, Broadway, a guy who came over as a player to not be named or player to be named later, excuse me, friend of the podcast as well, uh, ended up close, closing the door with a one, two, three inning, two strikeouts. Uh, and, and, you know, one player who is still fighting for his opportunity to get an- another chance at being in the Red Sox bullpen, Zach Kelly, another friend of the pod as well, struggled a little bit, allowing two hits, two earned runs. But he's somebody that especially with how he performed later in September last season, I'm curious to see if he's able to sneak his way on the 26-man roster. Yeah, I think that could help him a lot. You know, last year, he got, as you said, he got his first taste in the majors, and he was, you know, he was a decent arm. 
Um, I think out of his 13 appearances, he only gave up – he had like nine scoreless appearances or something along those lines. So he showed that he belonged in the majors. Um, and, you know, the Red Sox bullpen, they're going to need that. You know, I think like there's a lot of veterans in that pen, but there's also a lot of opportunities for guys like Kelly still kind of trying to secure a spot in the majors. I feel like as well, you know, th- there's – you know, some players in there, you, you know, you bring up Brian Brazier, you could bring up Julie Rodriguez. Obviously, Rodriguez, he's an established reliever, but at the same time, if you see Brazier or Rodriguez struggle a little bit, maybe it could be a similar situation like we saw with Diekman, where Heim Bloom just makes an immediate fix at the trade deadline. And that's where guys like Zach Kelly or, you know, like a Caleb Ort could find a way to sneak their way in. And obviously, if injuries pile up down the line, those guys will be great depth pieces as well. Yeah, I feel like especially with bullpens, that's one part of a major league roster you see that changes every year from, you know, start to finish with injuries, um, you know, guys struggling. So I could definitely see Kelly sneaky his way. And I feel like with how he performed last year, probably has an inside track over some of those prospects well. So knocking on the door to be um, to be in Boston. Right. And, you know, I, I wanted to go back to Hauk for a sec because I was, I was curious what your thoughts were on – the Red Sox having the mindset of wanting him to be a starter. Obviously we saw him sort of half start, half be in the bullpen was a closer for a half second, uh, but coming back from, from back surgery and, you know, he hasn't been super effective as a starter. And we've seen the Red Sox sort of try and take him out of the game before he goes through the third time of the order. Cause you know, in the, in the past, you know, we've, we've seen batters really take advantage of his inability to be able to get around that third part of the order. So what has been your thoughts of how they've really been approaching the house situation? Yeah, I want them to give him a defined role this year and just ride it all 162. I think we've seen in the past, they've mixed him between the bullpen and the rotation because he does have that electric stuff. Right. Uh, but I feel like from a mindset wise, he might perform better if you say, all right, you're going to be a starter from opening day to the end of the season. We're not going to switch you. Um, I'm really interested to see how he performs. He has just kind of that defined role, and he doesn't have to focus on, you know, building up a pitch count or kind of having his stuff work more with just right. an inning or two of work. Because uh, I feel like that will help him a lot, whatever role he ends up with. Right. And I, I, Lauren and I have talked a ton about, you know, the defined roles, not only specifically, you know, with a guy like Paxton Houck, but also some of the bullpen guys. Because Cora's mentioned, that's how he's able to structure his bullpen in an organized way and, and also not, catch guys as a surprise are you coming in at this spot and i feel like as well you know i i, I spoke with Gemma McCaffrey earlier this week and she, she brought up whitlock him being thrown into the rotation out of nowhere could have you know uh affected his hip you know down the season it was a main reason why he had to get surgery maybe it was a similar thing with Hauk. but you know in my mind i thought early on that when the Red Sox said that he was going into camp as a starter, it was sort of a ploy to try and up his trade value a little bit, but it seems like they're sticking with it. Yeah, I mean, I think, especially with last week, how news broke that there had been extension talks that had at least been brought up to agree. Last spring training, I think it shows he wants to stay in Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for them, it's just giving that defined role so he can reach his full potential. He's definitely right. an interesting trade piece just because of his youth and you know the slider he's shown and the success he's had at the in the major league level. Um, but I would love if he stayed in Boston and you have guys like Whitlock and him and the Sox get back to focusing on developing their own pitching, right. you know, rather than having to turn to free agency to hand out big deals. So, so you do think that they should extend him? I think they should. I mean, I feel like with his talent, 
Um, it would, might not be hard to replace, but you're going to have to pay a lot more on the open market mm-hmm. or give away prospects or whatever to make a trade. Um, we have a guy that seems like he likes being Boston. He handled the pressure in Boston reasonably well. Um, and I feel like that's a pretty good matchup if you're the Sox and you're trying to you know, solidify a core rotation piece for the next few years uh, to come. I think like a similar deal like we saw with, with Whitlock and you know the, the four-year commitment that they had with him now. And with Hauk, you know, with, with him going back and forth from Worcester to Boston two years ago in 21, that really helped the Red Sox in terms of his service time. And so, uh, you know, I think especially being able to get, you know, a four to potentially five-year deal where you're able to not only solidify the rest of his service time with the team, but maybe get one of his free agent years back and at least know that if he doesn't turn into a solidified starter, then you have a good long reliever or solid bullpen piece, which is tough to find, especially as you've mentioned, is very expensive in the open market. Yeah, I agree. I feel like a four to five year deal would be perfect. I feel like that's not a huge commitment. Like you said, it buys out of your free agency. Um, and if you know he doesn't meet expectations, he's still reasonably young and you didn't give him anything crazy. Um, and then you could also, if you have to trade him, his value is that much higher because he has that long-term deal. Right. Um, but I wouldn't go anything more than five years. Yeah, but, I agree with that. I agree with that. And, you, you know, the Sox are going to have to make a lot of decisions throughout this spring training to solidify that 26-man roster. But we're going to speak a little bit more about some of those complications that could come up in our third and final segment. But before we do that, I just want to talk to you about FanDuel. So it's the midway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because the new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line, point scores, and threes drain. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 of bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. And one of the biggest sort of uh, decisions that they're going to have to make is at the catcher position. Now, in my mind, Reese McGuire is the starter, but... Who's going to be that backup? And this is something that has been talked about ever since Jorge Alforo has been signed on a minor league deal. Is it Wong or Alforo? And, you know, one thing that recently came out on Thursday is Connor Wong tore his hamstring. And he did it in the fifth inning. It hasn't been reported exactly how it happened. But Alex Cora said at this moment in time, he's tight. It doesn't look good. Hoping for better news tomorrow. But. This could really help Alforo be able to get a little bit ahead in the race of finding a way to solidify himself as the backup catcher for the Sox. Yeah, I think out of everyone that benefits, you know, Alforo the most, because um, I feel like Wong had kind of inside track to be the backup catcher just because of obviously being the Mookie trade. Um, the Sox, you know, showed some faith in him towards the end of last year, but Alforo now has a chance to kind of pick that spot. Um, you know, he's a veteran piece who has shown some power in his career. Defensively, it still needs a little work, but he at least gives the Sox kind of a power threat on days that you have to give McGuire a rest. And, you know, one one thing that, you know, we, we've said it a billion times, anytime Alfora's name is brought up, the vibes. Like, it, you just can't yeah. go without saying that, you know, with the hair as well, you know, he's just got the swagger. And I, I feel like, you know, the veteran presence is one thing that you could also add to 
And, you know, being able to have energy in the clubhouse, energy uh, in the dugout is, is always helps just with being able to help a team have a momentum, especially down the stretch. And so I feel like especially what we've seen early on from Alforo, he's a lock, in my opinion, to be the backup catcher, especially with this recent injury with Wong. And, and I feel like Wong is still young enough to where he's able to get more reps in AAA. Also, one other added thing that not a lot of people talk about, the Red Sox talked about last year, didn't really end up happening, but using him at second base and third base in Worcester to really be able to help build that versatility. I'm curious to see if, you know, when he gets potentially more up a bats down in Worcester, if they try to go that route because maybe they see more of a future in that sort of direction for Connor Wong. Yeah, I could see that. I feel like especially at the end of last year, he showed he still needed a little work offensively. Um, you know, he did get hot in Worcester the last two months, but then he hit, it was, I think it was 212, or he barely really produced offensively in the majors. So there's still some area of his game that needs to work. So this could be, in a way, kind of like you said, like a blessing in disguise, just in the sense that now he's going to have to rehab. He's going to have to go back to AAA and put more work in, uh, which could be beneficial, especially, you know, to be a backup catcher, you're going to have to hit better than barely above 200. Right. Um, so it could be something that helps in the long run. And I think our followers, especially with his personality, what we've kind of heard come out about the clubhouse chemistry the last couple of weeks last year, having a guy that kind of has high energy, yeah. um, it kind of jokes around a lot. It could be very beneficial to this group, especially with, yeah. you know, guys like Cassis and young, those young guys kind of their first major league seasons mm -hmm. um, and just getting their, getting their feet wet in the majors. Yeah, completely agree. And, you, you know, the Sox are going to have a lot of pressure to make decisions quickly in terms of their backup catcher. Uh, March 25th is a date to remember. And, you know, especially not only for the Sox, but also for Alforo. You know, it's it's in Alforo's contract that if he is not added to the 40-man roster by that date, he may request to become available for all other clubs in hopes of finding a major league spot. And if there is interest, then the Red Sox must either add Alforo to the 40-man roster or allow him to go to another club within 70, 72 hours of his request and if no other clubs have interest in adding Alforo then to their major league rosters, then the Sox can keep him as a 40-man, a non-40-man player. And, you know, I think this is a decision that they should make sooner rather than later because I could see a team that maybe has lower chances of, of being a, you know, championship caliber team, maybe, you know, like the Reds, the Pirates come to mind who might want to snag off or up and look him, look at him as a solidified major league catcher. Yeah. I feel like definitely, you know, the deeper we get in spring training, he's talking about one of injuries, you know, that's because are popping up as we get closer to opening day. Right. It's kind of teams will be looking for those veterans that, um, you know, other teams might have let go and far falls right into that category, especially for a team like the pirates, for example, I mean, their starting catcher is Austin hedges. And after that, it's kind of plucking guys that have hit that all hit below 150 the minors last year. So if your team like mm -hmm. the Pirates and Alfaro is available, it's going to be a pretty tempting ad um, in free agency. Right. I completely agree. And, you, you know, that's the catcher position. You know, I, I've said this every time I brought this up is it's one that hasn't been talked about, in my opinion, nearly enough. And it's one of the most important positions outside of, you know, maybe shortstop on, on the diamond. And I feel like with how much they control sort of the relationships with the pitchers, and also the, the pace of the game and, and the comfortability of the pitchers on the mound, it's so important in being able to make that decision. And so I'm very curious to see how everything continues to play out. I'm also very intrigued to sort of hear the news that comes out positive or negative in terms of Connor Wong's hamstring and 
how that really helps Alfaro to be able to continue to stack up sort of evidence of why he deserves to be the backup Red Sox catcher. But we greatly appreciate everybody tuning into this Locked On Red Sox podcast. And Lauren and I are going to continue to be able to update you about what's happening with the Red Sox spring training ahead of opening day, having great guests on like my good friend Jamie Gatlin here. But uh, we always appreciate you making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. Now make your second listen and check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and over on YouTube. Also make sure to follow us over on Twitter. It's LO underscore Red Sox. Follow myself. It's at Jake Iggy. Where can people find you, Jamie? Jamie Gatlin and then 17. And then also where can they support like your Beyond the Monster stuff as well? So we have that on Twitter. Um, it's just BTM on Twitter. We also have an Instagram page. Uh, we do podcasts once a week, so we're always pumping out content, especially with, you know, baseball season coming up. It's going to be every day. So make sure to go over and support him on that. He, he does great, not only articles about exactly what's going on with the team on a daily basis, but also does some great interviews with different minor league players, Red Sox, and also other organizations. So definitely make sure to check that stuff out. Also make sure to follow Lauren on Twitter. It's la 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 three laws, Lauren with four R's. But as always, we greatly appreciate everybody tuning in. I hope that you have a great weekend and we'll end it how we always end it. Keep the faith. Let's go socks. Peace.